and welcome to episode 59 of Slay Tanning Vercast. I'm Mo from France, and to my west, broadcasting live from a secret party somewhere in 10 Downing Street, it's Dr. Lee Quesans. How you doing, Doc? I'm all right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm having it. I'm having it. You're large in it? I'm having it. I, uh, I thought I knew how to party. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but it's coming up to Christmas time, and there's always those myths about a drugs drought on the street. And honestly, I believe it, because all the drugs are here. <laughs> all of them. Yes. Yeah, every last one. Um, I watched, every last cocaine. Um, I watched um, as two men um, took one of the horizontal wall mirrors, which is about eight foot wide and about four foot deep, unscrewed it from the wall, put it on the dining room table and covered every square inch to a depth of no less than four centimetres um, with prime Colombian marching powder. Fabulous. Absolutely. And there's none of it left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I imagine with your physiognomy, you know, you, you know, cocaine doesn't even touch the sides, does it, Doc? Well, obviously, one of my biggest problems is I haven't actually got a nose. Right. Uh, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, some some of my finer tendrils have excellent olfaction, mm. um, but I can't actually inhale anything. I, I mean, um, I can tell the difference between a ten-week-old corpse and an eleven-year-old corpse mm. wind from a distance of ten kilometres. Mm. Mm. Um, but I, I I can't actually snort anything, mm. um, and um, I mean and. Since my blood is acid, is acid that's capable of um, dissolving chromium, mm-hmm. um, then I mean I, I can't even inject stuff very easily either. Oh God! How terribly, terribly disappointing. What, what's the general vibe like there, Doc? Hedonistic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, hedonistic. Um, I mean, <clears throat> I thought I had enough external genitalia. Um, that were ever so inclined, I could easily consume the services of 12 prostitutes at once. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. um, but there are politicians here who are doing better than that. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did, did, um, did, any known names there? Or, 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 or for fear of litigation, do you want to keep that under your many hats? Well, I mean, there's, there's a few people whose like, general body shape um, I would, would lead me to take a guess. But since they're all wearing like the pointy red Spanish Inquisition hoods, Oh yes, um, and and that's all. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Oh God, what a terrifying thought. Think, 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 think of the fucking cabinet, Doc, and what you've just, what images you've just planted in people's minds. Um, well, I, I, I don't think it's very surprising to most people, is it? Mm-hmm. Um, Bacchus reigns supreme. Uh, well, it, it's um, it's a funny thing because uh, there's a chap in the next room um, who's causing a right ruckus. Um, and I believe the ninth case of um, Johnny Walker Black Label has just gone in there. And I, I've, I've just been reliably informed that it is actually Dionysus. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very good. That's the uh, Dionysus being the... Hang on. Dionysus is the Greek one and Bacchus is the Roman one? Or is it the other way around? No, no, no. Uh, Dionysus is Greek. Yeah. Because, um, I mean... Just Greeks can put their booze away better than Italians can. Sure. Um, and, but yeah, um, he's the god of indiscipline, hedonism, drunkenness, um, and promiscuity. 
I like the sound of him. Yeah, it sounds like my kind of bloke. Yeah, uh, except I don't even think he's close to being the wildest character here tonight. Uh-huh. Um, when I was on my way in, um, the ghost of Oliver Reed passed me, um, lurching down the stairs and saying, it's too much for me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Oliver Reed, uh, George Best left many, many hours ago, didn't he? Uh, well, there's, there's a pair of bare legs wearing football boots sticking out from under one of the tables. Um, and as you were discussing earlier, like at the opposite side of the table, um, a, a splendid sculpted mullet. And that, that's, 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 all, that, that's all that can be seen of whoever it is that's sort of laid out under the table. Yeah, yeah. No social distancing, I imagine, Doc. Almost as if they know the whole thing is a load of old bollocks. Doc, what have we been listening to? Um, um, what have I been listening? Um, I haven't really been listening to a very great deal for the last one week. So um, may I have a pass on this and skip straight to you, please? Of course you can, yeah. I've been listening to um, a band called Volbeat. Um, are you familiar with these guys, Doc? No, never heard of them. Here we go. I'm, I'm just popping open the, uh, you know, the, the fabled Encyclopedia Metallum page. Um, Volbeat, they're, they're, they're Polish, I believe. Oh, no, 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 no. they're Danish. They're, they're a Danish band. Um, they're hallmarked by like a really curious mix of heavy metal, occasionally kind of verging into kind of light thrash, I suppose, but not really, really, really kind of very melodic light thrash um, with, with a really massive influence from rock and roll, rockabilly, and also... The vocalist is a proper singer, like a crooner. Um, you know, like Danzig is often referred to as, you know, the, um, the evil Elvis. Yeah, the evil Elvis, like the Elvis of metal, etc. This guy gives him a run for his fucking money. Um, it, 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 it's absolutely sensational. I tell you what, it is dark. It's just really, really unabashed, unashamed good time party fucking metal music it's brilliant i love it so much so i'll just have a look at their page here uh one two three four five six seven i mean they're 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 eight albums in um you know they're no mugs and they're, they're they're massively popular in their in their home country i think they've you know they've had multiple um kind of gold disc releases in denmark (laughs) <laughs> didn't really, um, didn't really kind of hit the mainstream until their fourth album. I think it's their fourth album, which is called. Hang on, I'm just double checking. Beyond Hell, Above Heaven, um, and the standout track for people to listen to. Go check it out. It's called The Mirror and the Ripper. Found the morning liquor. Found the morning light. Looking to the rear of me and the motherfuckers on the way to game down the line Sick and tired of fighting, all the crap inside Starting a new day, breathing in the morning, got a feeling leave something behind I said the lonely, 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 lonely day
absolutely brilliant. I love Volbeat Duck. They Doc, they just I just called you Duck then. I, I do apologise. <laughs> I love Volbeat Duck. They just make me feel full of joy. Now I remember when um in my opinion, their best album, when Club Mondo Bazaar for Members Only came out. Yeah. Lynch would describe as death and roll. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these guys aren't. There's no death metal in them. Um, I mean, death and roll. When I think of death and roll, I think like the, the you know like the. I would say the the premier exponent of death and roll would be Entombed. Um, particularly, yeah. I think they kind of they almost invented it with their album Wolverine Blues. I would suggest. Albums that, um, do, because of an acquaintance of mine, I, I, I've, I've heard many, many times. Mm. Um, now that you say that, um, yes, it makes perfect sense. I couldn't hum you one track from that album, whereas oh. I think I could hum every track from Club, Mon- Club Mondo Bazaar for members only. Sure, sure. Uh, did, did, I mean, for me, the standout track 
from Wolverine Blues is, is, is one called Hollow Man, which we'll drop in about here. Um, Club Mondo Bazaar. I mean, <clears throat> the standout track for me there must be Hydrocephalus, surely. I mean, that's um, the most obvious death and roll track on the album. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, possibly uh, In Search of the Perfect Torture. Honestly, um, it, it, it has a riff that Bill Haley would have been proud of, mate. Is that the album also with uh, Family Man? What a fucking album that is. Club Mondo Bazaar, guys. Go and listen to it right now. Um, do you want a topic? Yes, that'd be great. Um, in fact, no, let's do chat time first. We've only got one. Um, in, in, I've got one. I've got a big one. Have you? Yes. Come on, do, do, drop it. Drop it for us. Well, um, many, many gorehounds out there in listener land um, mm. must be... Must have been shaking their heads and going, "What a fuckwit! What a <laughs> fucking 
Um, <clears throat> the man clearly doesn't know his beyond from his house by the cemetery. Mm -hmm. uh, um, the Lucio Fulci film where the the sort of saviour presence is the little girl from the, the photograph. That's the house by the cemetery. It is, certainly, yeah. Um, the one in the beyond, um, she isn't actually blind at the start, but she is by the end. Mm. Um, she is the little girl whose mom gets uh, her face melted by acid. But um, it's the architect who gets his face eaten by noisy tarantulas. Ah, <laughs> yes, your, your, your favourite, the noisy tarantulas. Yeah, the ch chirping, um, chirping tarantulas. Yes, I, I, I had to go back and watch that film um, to, to, to check if I got my facts straight. Um, I'd completely forgotten um, how, just how many closer by violence moments there were in that film. Fulky's horror movies, the, the, that's the trademark, isn't it? Is it kind of, you know, kind of eye torment, basically. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, there's four... There's actually four pieces of extreme, big close-up eye violence in that film, <laughs> uh, which is surely four too many for decent folk. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, that's good, Doc. Um, <clears throat> the, the, my chow time here, it, in the Temptation episode, I speculated that Carcass were an entirely vegan band. Uh, this is not true. Um, Bill Steer <clears throat> and Jeff Walker are self-declared vegetarians not vegans, although Bill Steer was vegan for a period of time, apparently. There we go, Doug. Now we know. Now we know, don't we? Yeah. Um, this brings me on to a question that I'm, I'm earnestly curious about the answer to. There's a lot of, particularly snacks and sandwiches and things, you can buy in convenience stores nowadays, and they declare themselves to be plant-based. Sure. Now, this expression, plant-based, sounds, it sounds a lot a lot to me, like one of those hedging expressions that people crack out when they kind of want to get the ecologist vote and they want to get the animal friendly vote. Um, but for whatever reason, their stuff falls short of a really important criterion for being vegetarian and or vegan. Mm -hmm. You're more into this stuff than I am. Do you know anything about this? What, yeah, what's plant-based? Yeah, plant-based is vegan. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the reason that they've, that, you know, they've gone for this moniker is because, you know, the, 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 the label vegan has been tarnished somewhat um, over recent times. And, and, and so that seemed, I, I think from a marketing point of view, calling it plant-based um, just seems preferable somehow. Vegan, you know, kind of has this image of, you know. People like this. Go on, Doc. People like Bill Steer. Well, people like Bill Steer, but, you know, like pasty, thin, weak, you know, m like militant. Yeah. Vegan boars, basically. You know, yes. you know what I mean? Uh, whereas plant-based doesn't yet have that. I, I think it will get it, um, but it doesn't yet have that association. And also, just by virtue of calling it plant-based, it just sounds more natural, doesn't it, you know? Um, yeah, it's... Uh, Marketing things going wrong is always really, really interesting to me. Yeah. Um, if you call your stuff plant-based, that, and I said this a minute ago, it makes me think of like one of those hedgy groupthink um, expressions. And yeah, like it's like chocolate flavoured, isn't it? You know. 
Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. It's something like that, isn't it? Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Um, and I associate it with um, kind of overweight blokes with ginger beers that they think are bohemian. Um, mm. And, you know, they, they buy plant-based food mm. from mm. a convenience store so they can feel better about that whilst having no problems with the otherwise shoddy ethics of everything else that Tesco do. Yeah, it, it, like reduced fat, something like that. Yes. What the fuck does that mean? Yeah. Reduced from what? By how much? To what? Yeah. But I don't think that's the reason. Um, I, think, I, I think it's just to disconnect from the that word vegan, which has become so kind of um, polarising, I think. Yeah. Um, the other point of curiosity I had, which um, is completely out of the air, I know there is a membership organisation called the Vegan Society. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know whether they actually had some sort of intellectual copyright on the expression vegan, and you're expected to have your stuff certified by them. Oh, that's a good point. I, 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 I do not know the answer to that. I, I don't think so. Um, right. my, my suspicion to that is no. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, if I created a product that was that was that was vegan, I think I could brand it as vegan, and 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 I wouldn't run into any kind of copyright issues. I don't think. Okay. Yeah. No, just curious. Yeah, good. Yeah, good, Doc. Uh, go on, Doc. Top, topic time. Give me, give me a number between one and six, please, sir. Five. Uh, all five. Right. <coughs> five will make you feel all right. <laughs> That's, that, that, that. <laughs> Two if you want it. Three if you got it. Four will get you down tonight. One if you need it. Two if you're on it. Five will make you feel all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you really cheer me up. Um, songs give me two or three if you can oh blimey um am i confined to metal no anything you want um well i'm gonna start with a metal song mm-hmm. uh, and i'm gonna take this as my freebie like the one i don't have to talk about because we already talked about it dead skin mask <laughs> Stay alive, and I promise. 
is. Uh, that's that's my freebie. Um, yeah. That's one that I used to buy myself 20 seconds while I thought of a real answer. Yeah, go on. Um, Abominations by Morbid Angel. Brilliant, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I say about that track um, it probably packs more notes into it than nearly any other metal song I can think of but not one of them is wasted sure. every one is perfectly hand-picked um, the solos are complex but there's no wanking involved mm-hmm. um, it's technical but not for the sake of showing off um, it has an atmosphere which manages to be genuinely sinister and genuinely evil. Um, and, but it does it in such a way that it isn't merely depressing. In fact, as we were talking about at the start of the episode, it actually sounds celebratory and hedonistic. Mm. And, and the lyrics are extraordinary, aren't they? Yes. That, that churning sea of absolute place of weeping death, Tiamat, dark serpent, ruled by the morbid priests, enraged with hate for God, God. priests of chaos chaos chant, from the book, together of of the worm, they burn the symbols of Christ. It it is so fucking potent, isn't it? Jesus Christ. Um, And I I mean, in that track, my favourite lyrics are yet to come. I think, many shall burn in my cauldron, for they are molten wax. Molten wax, yeah. Uh, I I just love the bit where it just goes, I think it makes some kind of allusion to to either Jesus or God. And then David Vincent just kind of growls down the mic, the word dog, dog. It's (laughs) well, man. It's, what a it's, it's, You've got you, you. You fired me up. Um, it's a Floridian hell demon said, and it's. Yeah. Uh, I think it's actually recorded. He's saying something that they back mask, so it sounds like he's going. Mm. It's all. It, it, it is so good. That's and it, and you know, laced with those kind of those triazagthoff, not quite solos that we talk about from time Incidental to time. Incidental solos, yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you just little kind of twinkle, but you, you know, like you, when people talk about playing the piano, like twinkling, you know, t- tinkling on the ivories or something. Trey, Trey does that on the fucking guitar, doesn't he? It's so good, and seemingly without even trying. Yeah, I think the whole point about Morbid Angel at their best is they clearly put an insane amount of work and effort and practice, but they make it sound like that. They, they make it sound like they're just jamming down the practice room. Yeah. It's just effortless, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I'm, 
just so much swagger and so much confidence. Mm -hmm. And I mean, this sounds silly. Uh, this sounds a silly adjective to use about death metal band, but uh, I mean, just so so much sex and glamour as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, do, 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 I think they are quite a sexy band, Morbid Angel. The way they dress, the way they look. Um, I'm not saying the handsome men, but you know, just 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 the aura they give off. Well, um, as as we know, um, do you remember when we went to see them live at? The Foundry, um, and they had astonishing amounts of groupies. Sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, like, really a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah enough to satiate even their most carnal desires. <clears throat> well, I mean, as, as I believe David Vincent would say, I am Belial, I bend my knee not. I bend my knee not, yeah. For my selfish desires. Yeah, 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 very good, though. Let me hit you with my first one. I mean, it has to be. I mean, you've gone death metal. I didn't expect you to go death metal track one, but I have as well. Um, it's for victory, isn't it, by Bolt Thrower? What else could it be? victory duck um the opening riff is just such a slam dunk the vocals so, 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 sorry the lyrics are excellent and then the piece de la resistance that fucking solo 
my favourite solo of all time. Um, I think we did as a, as a previous topic, maybe 20 or 30 episodes, but favourite solos. That was my number one. And that just elevates it to me above any other bolt thrower track. I mean, obviously, we're talking about fag papers between other great yeah. bolt thrower tracks, but that solo to me just takes it to the next level. For me, yeah, bolt thrower for victory. It is perfection. War metal perfection, Doc. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Only from Birmingham, mate. God bless them. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good um, got another one. I'm going to chip in with um, In a Hole by Jesus and Mary Chain. Just for being one of the filthiest, nastiest, most scurrilous sounding songs I've ever heard in my entire life. Um, sure. You can um, you can smell the, you can smell the sun boil, um, and the cheap cigarette smoke and the cheap vodka coming off about a mile away. Mm-hmm. Um, it also contains the line "God shits on my soul." Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Like should be enough to get a place in this list. Jesus and Mary Chain. Am I right? The, like, the drummer has effectively got like, like a snare drum, one cymbal, and a bass drum, something like that. Um, I don't think he's got a cymbal. He's got he's, he's got a snare drum without a snare on it and a floor tom. <laughs> um, and they sound like they're mic'd up using a pair of busted headphones. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it sounds like. The producer, well, like the, the recording engineer, has come into the studio without any um, microphones for the drum kit, mm-hmm. and he's found a pair of knackered headphones on the floor and like broken the headband in two and duct taped like one headphone to one drum and one head drum. And it, there's there's no way to describe how fucking horrible that drum sound actually is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Jim Reed's guitar sound. Um, Sounds like someone getting into a bath with a hairdryer. <laughs> Where are they from, Doc? Jesus and Mary Chain. Glasgow. They're from Glasgow, yeah. Yes. Um, was there any kind of scene going on, or were they did they kind of emerge from nothing? No, um, there were. Glasgow was like quite the place in the mid eighties. Um, mm. There was a record label called Postcard, mm. 
Um, I think Creation Records had already at Sticks and moved to London by then. Um, but I mean, were, Creation was still like, they still very much had a foot in in, in the Scotland camp. Um, Jesus and Mary Chain were first signed to Creation Records. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there was Postcard, um, and there the weren't many bands who sounded like that. Um, I think uh, Friends Again and XTC and Joseph K um, would have been the, the sort of indie pop bands you'd have known about from Glasgow. Um, sure. uh, Altered Images. Two, um, with um, who were um, the ones who actually vaguely had chart hits in uh, in this country, sure. uh, but yeah, I mean uh, um, Glasgow had like a, a, a proper scene, right? Um, mm. All working in the eighties, yeah, very interesting. And then um, then on into the nineties as well, um, and they had a um, the sort of characteristic sound they had then was that sort of I never was really into it. Um, very slow, like semi-acoustic. Um, Bell and Sebastian were mm. like the, the big players out of there, and there was Mogwai as well. Mm. Oh, and um, like sort of overlapping the two, um, the band who everyone said at the time were um, they were like the band who should have made it, and the band who were robbed by Nirvana, um, and that was Teenage Fan Club. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so if uh, if you feel like editing a clip in, please edit in a short clip of Star Sign by Teenage Fan Club there. Do that, yeah. Star Sign, Teenage Fan Club, let's do that. Yeah. Um, my next one I'm going to give you is um, Paranoid Android by Radiohead. First track from OK Computer. Um, now, at the time when, you, when that was released, I want to say, what do you reckon? God, what year would that be? Like ninety-seven? Yeah, I'm going to say ninety-seven. Yeah, um, <clears throat> you know, I was a full-on kind of metalhead. You know, I, I didn't listen to anything but metal, pretty much, um, with, the, with, with the odd diversion. With, with, actually, the next track will reveal as well. Um, but there, there was just something about Radiohead. I'd heard, I heard Pablo Honey, and I didn't really like it very much. Um, I mean, you know, Creep, of course, is is.
just like an angel Your skin makes me cry You float like a feather In a beautiful world I wish I was special You're so fucking special But I'm a creep song that everybody knows i think it's a great song but it didn't it didn't get me tingling then the bends came out and everybody kind of wet their pants over um like high and dry Again, I thought it was perfectly fine, but it didn't really set my world on fire. Of all the tracks on that album, Fake Plastic Trees was the one that I thought was the most interesting. The green plastic watering can For a fake Chinese rubber plant And a fake plastic girl from a rubber man in a town full of rubber bands to get rid of itself the world's around the world's around like the most haunting and evocative um but then they dropped okay computer and i, I just totally it totally shifted my impression of the band um paranoid android man it, it, it is just all over the place it's heavy in places it's weird it has no logical structure at all it, it's almost like it's almost anti 
music in places, I would argue, Doc. Um, but the whole thing hangs together so perfectly. I think it's, I think it's a masterpiece. Mm. Um, you always liked Radiohead better than I did. Yeah. Um, they're one of those bands that um, I, I know is going to click for me someday. Yeah. Uh, I've got to say, like, up until now, they really haven't. Sure. Um, I can appreciate them, um, and I can stroke my chin along to Radiohead, but I, uh-huh. they've, they've never really got under my skin. Mm. Um, but we've discussed many, many times, it's not at all unusual for something to take 20 years or 30 years to get to me. Yeah. It's that album in particular. I quite like the bends. You know, there's some lovely, lovely moments on there. Street Spirit is absolutely wonderful, I would argue. There are great songs, kind of pre-OK Computer, but but that album, I think that album is just that little bit special, Doc. What's your third one, Doc, please? Well, this is so hard, Um, you know, sort of getting down, because, I mean, since you announced the question, just my list is spooling out in every direction. Of course, of course. Um, And I'm going to have to construct... I've already mentioned Joy Division in the context of um, Songs with Perfect Solos. I can't go back there. Um, I would love to talk about something by Spaceman 3, but Spaceman 3 are such an albums band. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see the point in having like just one Spaceman 3 track um, in the middle of... of you, you've got to put the album on. You've got, to, you've, you've got to hear it in the right frame of mind as well. Um, then I realised that I hadn't mentioned even anything from before the year 1983, so, so, uh, so I should probably think about that. Um, and then it gets even more difficult um, because the 60s and 70s are not particularly an album's period for me, but there's so many fucking great songs. Um, uh, I'm a Boy by The Who is a very, very serious candidate. Yeah. 
gosh, like four or five songs by the Kinks to really serious candidates. Mm-hmm. Um, just about anything off that first Kate Bush album is a serious candidate because I, I mean, I, I can't even believe that one got past me when we did the albums that are perfect. Wow. Okay. Um, and in the end, it's not the weirdest thing. It's not the most. It, it's not the most off the wall. Um, I, I mean, I, I really also thought about um, Pioneers Overseas by Van der Graaff Generator. set me off thinking about progressive rock and I'm going to have to name Watcher of the Skies by Genesis. of the skies yeah what 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 makes that one you know i know you like your genesis so what makes that one so special to you um it's really really hard to say i mean it's off the same live album as the musical box which is also a candidate Kingdom beyond the sky. 
and the mighty Return of the Giant Hogweed, which is also oh, a candidate. Wow. Yes. Watcher of the Skies is progressive rock getting something approaching seven-inch single length, but without compromising or giving up anything. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it comes in at under seven minutes, um, but it's got every bit of complexity and texture that you'd expect. It's got the usual like breathtaking Peter Gabriel performance on it. Um, Phil Collins, who I'm going to stick my neck out, at about that period, he's a candidate for the best drummer in the world. Wow. Okay. Phil. Collins. Yeah, that guy. That guy. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, he can... The number of styles, he fits into that track without seeming like he should... Like, where it's appropriate, he'll play jazz. And then where it's appropriate, he'll play orchestral. Mm-hmm. And... Where it's appropriate, he won't play anything. Yeah, um, you know he's he's a drummer that, that that's that's that good. He knows when to shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, Steve, uh, Steve Hackett also sort of he's never a particularly outray soloist um, in the way that say Steve Howe was. Um, he's sort of far quieter and more restrained than the the, the really really flash shredders. Um, and uh, then um, Mike Rutherford, who was a concert standard pianist and cathedral standard organist, um, and that really shows. And, I mean, it's it's five different people, five different musicians at the peak of their powers in a band at the peak of its powers. And just the same as we we said about the Slayer track we were talking about last week, if you want to know whether you like pro- progressive rock or not, go to that track. And if you can't mine a single thing out of that track that you like, then you can satisfactorily say for the rest of your life, I don't like progressive rock. It's not for me. Sure, Doc. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm going I'm to give you my last one now. Um, and it is um, Voodoo People by The Prodigy.
you know, I, I love the Prodigy. I don't, I don't really like their first album very much. There's, there's a couple of standouts on the first one, but it doesn't really vibe with me that much. But since then, you know, I've, I've liked pretty much everything they've ever done. Um, Duty Generation is is their defining album, and for me, Voodoo People is the standout track. Um, it just, you know, it, it, it it's just redolent of of just such a great period in my life. Um, you know, just happy times. The the the, the potency of, of of the melody. It's a proper crossover because I think I think a lot of metalheads like this tune as well. Um, you know, because because it's got that almost like like metal lead line, effectively. Um, it, it kind of kicks in about halfway through. Um, Stretch this out to five tracks, please. Can we do five tracks that we think are perfect? It's it's, it's time though, Doc. I tell you what, should, should, should we should, should we should we repeat the topic next week? So we'll do another three tracks next week. What do you reckon? Yes. Yeah. That- um. Yeah, we'll do that. So, so so we'll do six. So yeah. So we'll just kind of repeat this topic for the next episode. Um. <clears throat> it's carry on. No, that's all right. Um, it drugs have to be mentioned, you know, when we talk about appreciating some, you know, something like voodoo people. You know, uh, these days, I take drugs more as kind of like an ex, an ex, exploration of psyche and ego, um, particularly kind of psychedelic drugs. Um, whereas, you know, back in the nineties when this came out. You know, party drugs, recreational drugs, just, just you know, just getting uh, tripping balls basically, and listening to some kick-ass fucking techno, and they were really, really good times, Doc. You know, and it just makes me feel happy thinking about it. Yes. There we go, Doc. Oh, yes, lovely. There we go. Uh, don't forget, guys, you can contact us on Twitter at Vercast on email at slightanitvercast at gmail Let's get on with the show. Welcome to part two of the show. Here, of course, we play the track, pause it from time to time, and have a little chin wag. Today's track is track nine from Seasons in the Abyss, which is the mighty Born of Fire. Here we go. <laughs> Settle down, guys. We're going to fucking... We're going to just punish you. Uh, yeah, it certainly does. Let's, let's start it again. Here we go. Pace is back, Doc. How do we feel about this? What what would I call that pace? No, no. How do we feel about it? How do you feel about it? You, 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 you know, they're back at kind of blitzkrieg levels of speed. What do you think? What I feel about it is this: um, it has something about it, and I think it's the timing. I think it's the the guitars and the drums. They're playing in time, but slightly out of sync. Mm-hmm. 
which is, I think, like a very, um, I believe the modern expression for that is disco. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it's, it's sort of the, the, the influence from people such as Discharge. Um, oh, yes. It imparts a massive urgency um, to anything when you play it that way. Um, it doesn't make it seem faster than it really is. It makes it seem more urgent. Like it, it, it seems like um, the guitars and the drums want to get ahead of each other all of the time. Yeah, they're all, all fighting for supremacy in some way. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Um, and being this track, like one track from the end of the album, and we, and we know what's coming next, mm -hmm. it sounds like the work of a band who realise that they're running out of time, or at least running out of time on this album. Mm. As we know, there was a big lineup change, a very important lineup change coming. Was there not? You're talking, oh yes, of course, you're right, Doc, yeah, because, yeah, basically we've got Dave for one more track, haven't we? And then, yeah. And then Paul Bostoff um, arrives. Yeah. And it, it sounds like a band, I won't say who know their end is near, because obviously that was very, very far from the case, and Slayer's position was very, very far from being insecure. But they know they've only got one more track on this album. They know they've only got one more track maybe before they have to think of a new style. And that makes it sound even more urgent and even more breakneck. Are you suggesting, do you think at this point in time that they knew that Dave was, was off, basically? No, um, I don't. Th I, I think that was, I think that's generally understood to be something that happened between the albums. Right. Uh -huh. um, certainly Dave gives the impression of being personally happier on this album than he did on the previous one. I totally agree. He, se he seems heavily invested in pretty much every song, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, but... Who's to know what they knew at the time? Because no, I don't course. know. Speculations, of course. But it's fun to speculate from time to time. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's got... Um, I want to say like a, a, a fantasiac or almost a, a, a millennial urgency to it, as though they know it's their last chance to do a track like that. Mm. It's pretty raucous, isn't it? it, 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 yeah. it it's frenzied, I would say. Um. I'm greatly interested in your opinion on this. Does it sound like it was rushed in the recording to you? No, I don't think not, so. Not in a bad way. Oh, go on. Um, just in a, well, we only need one take to do this. Mm. That's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it is, it is furiously fast. You know, play this on guitar, like me. You've got to warm up because it is, it is blistering on the guitar. Um, but I'll take your point about how the, how, the kind of, how the drums kind of fit and kind of interweave with the guitars and, and give it this kind of odd, odd kind of syncopation, basically. Mm. Um, where it's almost like he's kind of hitting the snare, just, just kind of slightly off, just to, come on, guys, catch up, you motherfuckers. Um, um, it's, it has the effect of, if you've ever watched the Grand National, and you can tell that a horse has got something a little bit wrong with one of its legs. Mm. Mm. Um, it's, it's not enough to slow it down, at least in the first four or five furlongs. Mm -hmm. um, but you'll notice the horse is noticeably doing, its legs are thrashing around more, but it doesn't seem to be going as quickly. Mm -hmm. It's got that vibe. Um, I mean, previously, Dave has experimented with jazz drumming. Um, and th there's, there's a beautiful moment early on the pre previous album um, where he does this real kind of 
Cannibal Adderley on John Coltrane thing, where he'll 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 race ahead of the rest of the music, and then he he won't quite stop, but then he'll very purposefully lay off, mm. and let the rest of the band take up the rhythm, and then he'll drop into that, mm-hmm. and then he'll take control of it again, and then he'll he'll go a little bit ahead of it, and lead the band, and then he'll drop out again, and he'll 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 just, um, I believe um it's um it's called pocket dipping mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and it's a reference to the way that if you want to pick someone's pocket you stake them out on the street and you run ahead of them and then drop behind them and run ahead of them until you size them up completely and then you pick their pocket when they go past you the next time yeah and by the time you turn, by the time they turn around you're gone yeah yeah i think on this album we've had something similar where <coughs> i think Spirit in Black, if you go back and listen to that, the last minute and a half of that track, it is just Dave constantly ramping up the intensity and the pace. And, and it just feels like the other guys are just like, almost like struggling to keep up with him, basically. But and, the tempo and I think we've got a similar thing going on here. Yeah, but it, it's... Um, the tempo doesn't actually change, does it? Mm-hmm. The, the, the BPM of the track doesn't change from beginning to end. No, I think in Spirit in Black, it probably does, um, but not by much. It, you know, it, it's quite nuanced. Um, it, but, but, but you're right, it's just, it's just more about like, like the intensity and, and the franticness of the playing. Compare and contrast to, let's say, The Blasphemer by Barathrum, which uh-huh. has no about it what's and, um, I think that, that very unsubtly speeds up about halfway through, and then yeah. again, um, but there's nothing subtle about that. Uh-huh. But um, any time Barathrum are referenced, Doc, it, it makes me very, very pleased. Um, let, let's carry on. Here we go. Um, well, I, what can you say? Um, everything I said in uh, a little while ago uh, is still perfectly valid, but maybe even more so. I mean, it does not let up, does it? There's no subtlety. There's no nuance here. It's just in your face. We're coming to get you. We're gonna. We're gonna annoy you almost. Yes. What about a solo doc. Carry. Oh no, it's Jeff. Oh, duck! It, it, it's ridiculous. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm going to stop asking the question because I'm starting to feel cruel by this point. Um, <laughs> it is actually genuinely hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just think evidence of two people by now who know each other so well that they can emulate each other's style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, here we go. <laughs> 
And then they bring the dynamics, don't they? You know, just when you think, oh, it's just going to be a straight-ahead thrasher, non-stop, you know, kind of blitzkrieg assault, of course. It's not that simple ever with Slayer, is it? Then they bring the dynamics. You know, just that stop. And just Dave, those three little taps on the cymbal. Off we go again. Let's, Let's hear that again, guys. Can we invoke the G word? Do you think, Doc, or not? At this point, uh, you go ahead. Groove. Yeah, um, uh, I mean that. You can swing your hips to that. You can bop, can't you? You can bop to that. Yeah, you can shapes to that for sure. Certainly, yeah, yeah. What? What? Out of curiosity, what, what shape would you throw? Um, I, I, I think you'd have a vogue to that, wouldn't you? <laughs> you'd have vogue. Fair enough. That's a good answer. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> and listen, dear listener, the doc is now currently voguing in my general direction. Here we go. <laughs> And that's all well that's got to be Kerry that is Kerry now is that because you thought it sounded like Kerry or because logically after a Hanneman you normally get a Kerry yeah because the pre- it's because it's the previous one was Jeff don't worry I wasn't being clever here we go here we go <laughs> we haven't heard Tom this furious in quite some time have we no, um, when we do the album roundup in two weeks' time, I think it will be a good opportunity for us to like go over the range of Tom's vocal styles on this album because they're very interesting. No, um, I haven't heard him sound this angry for really quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, on on South of Heaven, you know, we had the experimental vocals and the shouty vocals, but but on this album, I. I think his choices are more diverse, more interesting, but also more suitable to the music. He seems to be choosing his vocal delivery much more wisely than he previously has. What do you reckon, Doc? Yeah, I'm going to say they're diverse within a narrower set of constraints. So Mm -hmm. on the previous album, he was all over the place and he was going from the borderline singing to the insane shouting... And oh. it very rarely worked. Yeah. Um, and I think he's hit on a range of styles and a range of things that he can do and do well, and he's sticking to that. Um, and it's just much more effective. Do you think it's possible that they, you know, they got some help, basically, and just asked for, I don't know, some, some, some guidance, some advice? I don't know who from, but... but 
But something's changed. I think many things have changed, actually. Tom's vocal choices are, are, kind of, are, are hitting the mark more frequently. The lyrical um, content is far superior. Did that come from them, or did they, did they you know, reach out and, and, and get assistance? What do we think? Well, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Tom hired a vocal coach. Mm. For example, yeah. Um, I, I think basically what's happened to Kerry's lyrics after careful consideration, I think the only thing that's really happened to Kerry's lyrics is somebody like either Rick or somebody else in the production team or the rest of the band have just sat on him and told him to write better. I mean, he's, he's, always, he's always been ambitious. Sure. Like, he's always understood the use of poetic device. He's always understood the use of simile and metaphor and metonymy and illusion and allegory um, and historicity. Um, he's understood how you use poetic devices to write great poetry, but the great poetry has always been a bit lacking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think probably like with a bit less rush, um, maybe just a bit more time to reflect, I wouldn't be surprised if they... I'm not saying they had a smaller budget, although we have got Rocky's Rule of Crap Gyms going on on this album. Mm. I think they probably spent their money on less recording time and more practice time. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, yeah. Interesting, Doc. Listen, we've got about 16 seconds left. In fact, what I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to drop it back about 30 seconds because I, I think, I think the way this track ends, you need kind of the, the crescendo. So. I'm going to play out the last 46 seconds. Here we go. There we go, guys. That's track nine from Seasons in the Abyss, which is Born of Fire. Doc, anything you want to say that you haven't already said? Well, as if we didn't think it started off intense enough, it manages to finish up being even more intense than that. It's fantastic, isn't it? Oh, just the, 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 that's why I, I felt the need to like, backtrack 20 seconds yeah. or so, you know, just, just to hear to that, that escalation, that crescendo. And yeah, I mean, it, it's. Um, it's just great. It's a perfect track for someone like me who has always liked Fast and Brutal Slayer less than Slow and Spooky Slayer. Mm -hmm. um, and like, that's the kind of song that could change my mind. It's, I mean, it's a bit of a face ripper. There's no doubt. Um, it's straight ahead. It's, 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 it, with, it, with the exception of that kind of brief middle eight I suppose we could call it you know where, where, where it gets a bit groovy it's pretty one note um, but it but it's a good note there's intensity there's 
great riffs dropping all over the place. There's three fucking killer solos. Tom's vocals are really fucking on point. Um, it, it, it's, it's really, really solid in it, Doc. Yes. Um, and, and I know by the end of this episode, I'm going to be struggling, like, as usual, not to, not to damn this song with faint, faint praise because it's another song off this album where probably the most intelligent and original thing I'll be able to come up with to say is it's another really good Slayer song, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 you know, it, it, it's just like, you know, I, I bought a pizza from Domino's. How was it? Well, it's good pizza, wasn't it? Domino's pizza. It was everything you expect, yeah. You'd expect from a Domino's pizza. Bang, you know. Um, you go to McDonald's, you get what you expect from McDonald's, don't you? You know, expecting chicken biryani, you'd have hated it. Ha <laughs> Good point, Doc. Yeah. Should we, we dive into the into the lyrics? Welcome to part three of the show. Uh, what do we call this, Doc? From time to time. Evil speak. Evil speak. Here, we're going to read the lyrics and dissect them. Um, I'll kick off this time, Doc, if you don't mind. I don't mind at all. Joining my quest to leave life overturned, spanning the world wave of doom, spewing out death with the evil I've churned, awaken the dead from their tomb. Love turns to lust, the sensations I've felt, exploring the pleasures of sin, making the best of the cards I've been dealt, adjusting the odds so I win. Rather good lyrics, Doc. What do we make of these? Oh, that's my life. That's my life in those <laughs> Um it's that there's some of the most um heavy metal um you know hell raising mm. motorhead kind of lyrics that slayer have written since their first couple of albums um and i i don't know whether off of these eight lines i don't know whether this is actually like a um about you can imagine it being about like a, a an african warlord um or a biker, um, or an actual demon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I like this use of the word churned. It's a really great verb to use. We think about churn. What do we think of? We think of butter, and we think of stomachs, don't we? Like, you know, it's like stomach churning, you know? Yeah. It's something revolting, you know? It, 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 it's this idea of something... If I think of the word churn, what happens in my head is I imagine a liquid turning into a solid somehow. I think what the illusion is going for here is if you make a mistake with your churning, um, if you're trying to churn butter or churn cheese, um, if you make a mistake with it, if you do it with contaminated milk or you haven't sterilised your churn correctly, um, you'll end up with something very poisonous and very dangerous. Very rancid. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is, there, is there an allusion here, Doc, to necrophilia in, the, in, 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 in this section? There's an allusion to fleshiness and carnality of all kinds, mm-hmm. aren't there? Um, mm-hmm. awaken, are you referring to the Awaken the Dead from Their Tomb? We, it's the co-location of Awaken the Dead from Their Tomb, and then the next line, Love Turns to Lust. 
Yeah. So um, putting those two lines together, are, are they connected or, you know, are, that, are they bisected in some way? I, I certainly wouldn't swear blind that they're not. It's not mm -hmm. the first thing that went to my mind. Sure. Um, I, um, the reason I don't think it's definitely not about necrophilia um, is I, we've been mentioning hedonism a lot in this episode for some reason. So maybe I've been led down that path by that discussion, mm -hmm. but I just feel as though every line is a description of some form of sinful and enjoyable decadence and carnality. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, spewing out death with the evil I've churned. If we follow that bad cheese metaphor, it could be an um to uh, to ejaculation, couldn't it? Oh, I suppose so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that, 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 yeah. Very, very good point. Yes. Yeah. Some kind of like, ghastly fluid, effectively. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that we all contain within us, Doc. Even you. <laughs> I contain lots of evil fluid within myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, spewing out death with the evil I've churned. I don't know whether this is true or not. Um, you've seen Zardoz, haven't you? the sean connery madness isn't it yeah um there's a great bit where the god zardoz um is um explaining the way of the work uh, to mm -hmm. the exterminators um, and he says the penis is evil the penis spits out life the gun is good the gun spits out death i wouldn't have put watching zardoz past the members of slayer mm -hmm. Love turns to lust. The, the sensations I've, I've felt exploring the pleasures of sin. Now, this is Slayer getting a bit sexy, isn't it, Doc? And Slayer never normally, never normally get into sex, do they? Um, I'm going to say again, it, it's um, it's not necessarily sex. It's just carnality. Mm -hmm. Sure. Just um, so uh, it's been a long while since. Slayer sort of genuflected on their own Catholicism at all. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been a long time since I mentioned Gnostic dualism, so I get a chance to talk about Gnostic dualism here. And the, even though Catholics wouldn't like me for calling it Gnostic, the Gnostic dualism at the heart of Catholicism is the, um, the dichotomy between spirit and flesh, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Absolutely correct, yeah. Um, I, as a young boy, I was taught you know, at my very, very strict Catholic school, that my body was merely kind of a vessel um, in which I would inevitably um, commit kind of craven acts and sin um, unashamedly. Um, and, you know, the, the, the only way for, 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 you know, for my spirit to transcend into heaven would be to, I don't know, put my trust in some kind of sinister fucking old man in a robe 
Um, <laughs> it, it does seem very odd to me, Doc, but there you go. That, that, that's Catholicism. Um, here's something fascinating about Catholicism that um, I only learned recently. I've been aware of um, Catholics referring to uh, venial sins. Um, mm -hmm. I thought they were just getting the word venal wrong. Sure. Um, and I only found out last week. Um, and talk about two words that sound very similar but have very, very different meanings. Um, uh, a venal sin is obviously one of typically greed, but possibly mm. lust and possibly mm. jealousy. Um, a venial sin is one that can is uh, one that can be easily forgiven. Oh right, okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mm. didn't know that. One letter uh, difference. Total change um, of definition. Yeah. Because I haven't had a chance to talk about Gnostic dualism for a little while, <laughs> um, this has been this has been this, this has been a pretty spiritual album as far mm -hmm. as it goes. Hasn't it? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, whether it's engagement in madness or thought processes or ruminations of war, um, and this is this is Slayer getting very very fleshy, mm -hmm. uh, Slayer getting very mundane. Um, I don't think the pleasures of sin um, necessarily have to refer to sex, particularly coming after a song that you and I both agreed had some explicit references to things such as drugs and gambling. Yeah, for sure. And, 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 and here there's an explicit reference to gambling is it in, in the last two lines of this, of this opening uh, verse. But Doc, do, do you want to hit us with the, first, with the next four lines? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I also just need to point out that the last two yeah. lines um, is uh, the most obvious um, motorhead sideways wink we've had since album one. Very interesting, Doc. I never thought of that. Yes, we, we, yeah. we're talking, um, uh, what's it called? Um, Ace of um, Spades. my burning wrath potential killing machine take down all who block my path enjoying all that's obscene born of fire very good yeah potential killing machine and this is yeah. interesting to me doc because that word potential there's the, 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 the there's the day-to-day -day use of the word potential and then the, then there's the scientific use of the word potential isn't it? like potential energy um you know and i wonder if that's what they're invoking here, it, in the sense that 
you know, we are all capable. You know, I'm sitting here. My understanding of this doc is is that I have potential energy as I'm sitting here. Um, you know, the potential energy that I could effectively fall to the ground. That energy is, is not currently being spent, but but it's potential energy. Yeah. If your chair were to miraculously disappear. Exactly. That's um, it. So effectively, when when you got up, um, when you woke up this morning, mm-hmm. um, you expended some chemical energy um, in lifting the mass of your, your head and your torso mm-hmm. off the ground. And that is now stored as potential energy. And the potential energy will be released were you to fall over or lie down. Exactly. And I wonder if that's what they're invoking here, this idea that we are all... We all have this kind of pent-up potential energy to kind of go on some kind of maniacal killing spree, basically. Um, I've got a couple of theories. Um, I think yours, yeah, I I think yours is perfectly valid. Um, Anna One is a potential killing machine. Mm -hmm. Um, When about did this song come out compared to the release of uh, when, when? When did Falling Down come out? Bill Foster is an ordinary man. Where are you going? Going home. Not this way or not. Why not? Metro Rail Construction, that's why not. Living in the everyday world. I don't suppose you'd have a couple of bucks you could give me. It wouldn't really help me out. If you give me your address, I'll mail it back on us. A patient man. Can I help you? Yes, I'd like a ham and cheese omelet, wham fries. I'm sorry. We stop serving breakfast at 11.30. Who's running out of patience? Get some change for the phone. A peaceful man. No chairs. Have to buy something. Who's about to be pushed? Eighty-five cent. Eighty-five cent. Doesn't give me enough money for the phone call. Drink. Eighty-five cent. You pay a goal. A little too far. I stay. You mean you stole your baseball bat, but he paid for the soda? Just standing up for my rights. Falling down. I want to say 1993. Vamp for me, Doc, and I'll 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 have a I'll have a quick uh, bit of googling. Yeah, um, I'm going to make this one tiny little sideways reference. Um, I think there is a possibility you can read this track as the rage of the middle classes. Sure. Um, or, if you like, the people who are no longer poor, hungry teenagers. They're older men, and they're relatively wealthy, um, but no less angry. Mm. Falling down, by the way, yeah, 93, confirmed. Okay, um, yeah. so and, and I mean that's that's the ultimate expression in any form of the thing I'm talking about, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely, yes, yeah, absolutely. This kind of pent up rage of the middle classes, effectively. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's another reference as well. The last two lines were a clear reference to Motorhead. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, this line is a reference to the song "Urban Guerrilla." Uh, by Hawkwind.
um, which is a band of which Lenny was still a member when they recorded it. Um, and I've, I'm quoting from memory now, and it's a song I haven't heard for ages. Um, and it, the, the chorus is something like, um, I'm an urban guerrilla, I've got bombs in the basement, I'm a potential killer. Great. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, very untypical Motorhead, uh, very untypical Hawkwind song. I, I think it's much less than um, four and a half hours long. What's the classic Hawkwind song? The, something about like a, is it Silver, Silver Machine? Machine. Silver yes. Machine, yes, absolutely fucking awesome, yeah. live video you've got the band playing and then look just two or three random naked women parading around cavorting um, for, for the delectation of the audience isn't it there's nothing random about stacia um stacia was considered a member of the band and her role was amazon fertility goddess oh really yeah mm-hmm. um and that's what she did she rolled around she she, she took tons of drugs and rolled around naked mm. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, um, she was a, 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 a regular member and a regular presence of the band for um, for several years. As a young man, as you can imagine, Doc, I was very, very pleased with her. Well, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, Doc, let me give you uh, the, the next few lines. Here we go. Principal darkness, initiation, ritually baptised in flames, next to the throne, my abomination, spreads terror throughout the domain, master the art that controls the impure, inherit the infamous keys. Ha! <laughs> I nearly got through, I nearly made it though, I nearly made it. <laughs> inherit the infamous keys, thousands of centuries I'll endure. Tyrants of all the prophecies, I suppose we've got to pronounce it that way, to, yeah. to make it rhyme. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, we're getting some, some silliness here, um, which is great to see, actually. Uh, first, really of all, see first of all, I just want, because, uh, I mean, this is Kerry, right? There's no way this isn't Kerry. Hang on, let me, I, I'll skip to the end of the document. I can't remember. Um, hang on. Trust me, lyrics, no yeah, 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 lyrics, lyrics, Kerry King, yeah, yeah. Of course. Um, <laughs> of course. Principal <laughs> darkness initiation. I am. I, I, I want to hug Kerry and mm. spit it at the same time for not rhyming that with decapitation. <laughs> <laughs> um, pr- 
Prince of Darkness initiation, something, 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 and decapitation. That's right, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have been so much worse and yet so much better if that had been. <laughs> um, there's almost, mate, um, you managed to keep me under control with this. There's almost a Nocturnus reference in the next uh, little Instead of mastering the art of teleportation, he's mastering the art that controls the impure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And instead of traveling by the sign of the key, he's inheriting the infamous keys. The infamous keys. I just love this expression. The, the infamous <laughs> keys. <laughs> when I think of the word infamy, you know, I, th- I think of, um, I don't know, like Ian Brady, Mara Hindley. Um, I thought you were going to say carry on Cleo. Go on. What, uh, how, how can you not hear that word without thinking of Kenneth Williams saying, infamy, infamy, they've all got it in for me. Infamy, infamy, they've all got it in for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. How, how is that possible? Yeah, yeah. Keys aren't infamous, are they? Ever. <laughs> Ever. No. Are they? <laughs> um, I mean, they, I think he's... Is he referring to um, the gates of heaven, which depictions of St. Peter are typically shown with him holding? Mm-hmm. Um, or are they the gates of hell? There'd be no reason for the gates of heaven to be infamous. And the gates of hell, well, obviously the church disputes that such things ever exist. Here's the thing, though, Doc. I think these, the, the, these lines are very, very silly. And I, I enjoyed them. But... I, but I think they're kind of great at the same time. When, when you're writing a song like this, there comes a point when you have to get your head out of your ass now, don't you? Yeah. Um, and, you know, however much poetry and however much illusion and however much real politic you get into it, at some point you've got to write some words about Satan and hell and demons and, and pointy tridents and things with horns and like all of that stuff that we like and love next to the throne my abomination spreads terror throughout the domain so what do you think that is doc in your mind what is that abomination that's next to the throne the antichrist but what is that in your head you know how do you picture it well there's um very much like the cover of um whatever that first nifelheim album is so in hell there's a throne, a throne of stone, uh, you might even say, mm. with a fucking huge pentagram behind it, mm. um, and some sort of a, 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 an equal mixture of whores and virgins in chains, um, sort of anchored to the walls all the way around it, and um, some, some, some big black candles, and, and uh, Satan in his goat form is sat on the throne with his hand resting on the head um, of a simultaneously adorable and sinister-looking little boy um, who presumably he is about to send out into the world to simultaneously charm and deceive and enslave the poor, pitiful humans. Sure. Because the way this is written here, next to the throne, my abomination spreads terror throughout the domain. I'm imagining like a, like a Cerberus kind of thing, you know, so next to the oh. throne, like, like a dog. Some evil fucking lava spewing dog, basically. Or conceivably like the great beast with seven heads and ten crowns and fourteen tails as described in the book of Revelation. 
There we go, Doc. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The seven-headed uh, whore, as Einstein yeah. tell us. Never heard of the whore being seven. I, I, I think the whore's only got one head, mate. Well, not according to my stuff, Doc. You, you take it up with John Schaffer. I will. I will. <laughs> One of these days. I, I, I shall summon the spirit of St. John the Divine and get him to have a good old argument with I stuff. Yeah, yeah. You do that. Uh, yeah. Um, I had honestly never thought about that being, being the above. Um, I bought the Christmas Radio Times this week, which I do every year. Sure. Um, and on the morning, on Christmas Eve morning, um, now on Christmas Eve afternoon at three o'clock, there's um, a children's film um, about um, a cuddly yeti called Abominable. And when I was glancing through it, I actually thought there was a film called Abomination. <laughs> 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 Doc, hit us with the next four lines, please, sir. Some have called me Satan's son, a name I cannot deny. Wielding fury that's second to none, far too vile to confine. Born of fire. Born of fire. The, 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 effectively the chorus, isn't it? And, the, and I like the fact in this track, there is a chorus, but each chorus is, is, is different words. That's cool, man. Yeah, definitely. Um, not done often enough. Mm, mm. It did. It, 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 it takes effort, doesn't it? You know, the, 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 not, not satisfied just to write four lines and just repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. It's actually taking the time to, you know, to actually refine it and, and, and write four different lines each time. Good for him. Good for Kerry. I'm sure this must have happened to you at least once. Sometimes when, when you get on a roll with writing words, um, they just won't stop coming and mm -hmm. you just keep coming up with... Um, <coughs> so we all think, uh, genius upon genius upon genius. Words just won't stop coming. Right. Um, we, we've we've mentioned John quite a few times. When when he first formed um, his first band, um, he was working together with a vocalist and bass player, um, and uh, this guy would apparently routinely turn up with, uh, I think, like routinely turn up with seventeen or twenty pages of lyrics. But this is like uh, it makes me think of Martin Valkyrie from Sabbath. You know, you, you check out the fucking lyric sheet on from, from Dreamweaver. Insane! How this motherfucker 
remembered these lyrics when they were playing live. I've got no idea. It's it's a skill. Mm-hmm. Um, skill it's got to be. Um, I think rather sadly for, uh, for John and his collaborator at the time, um, it didn't really occur to the guy that when they played live, he'd have to like, do these, these vocals and sing and, 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 and grunt these lyrics like at the same time as playing his instrument. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think he ever quite got that one off. Right, yeah. He, he, he never made the connection. I've got to play guitar and sing at the same time. Well, it, it, um, you, he wasn't even planning on like playing rhythm guitar and singing at the same time. He was trying to play bass and do these ridiculous, right. comp- ridiculously baroque vocals at the same time. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no limits, sunshine. No limits. Yeah, yeah. Um, and anything to say about those four lines, Doc? Or, sh- or shall I hit you with the next four? Hit me with the next four. All things dead must rise again when twilight's blanket falls. Splattered red, you'll find my den, blood dripping from the walls. Now, two points here, Doc. Firstly, cosmology, definitely here. Um, yep. and secondly, I think more evidence that that abomination next to the throne is some kind of like dog or wolf thing. Splattered red, you'll find my den. Come on, Doc. Yeah. Um <clears throat> Well, obviously, I had to um, reverse myself when the previous verse started with some have called me Satan, so clearly not Satan. Mm-hmm. So my abomination is clearly not the Antichrist because I'm the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and um, the idea of being your own father or your own son is one that twists even Jesuits' heads in a knot. <laughs> um, even they've never correctly explained how that one works. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, spattered red, you'll find my den, blood dripping. Um, the previous line, I absolutely love this. It's almost A.A. Mill, um, when twilight's blanket falls. You can imagine that being in, uh, in, in Winnie the Pooh, can't you? It's beautiful, Doc. It's just a beautiful line. In any context, that's beautiful. It, it can be potently, potently kind of sinister or utterly magical, can't it? Yes. At the same time, it's wonderful. It's a it, it's a great great line. Um, All things dead must rise again. That bang cosmology, doc. Come on, this definitely. is the eternal war, isn't it? Yes, mm-hmm. um, uh, we're, we're definitely um, like we're we're back with the glowing radioactive green skeletal Nazi zombies here, aren't we? Yeah, I think we are. I think we are, doc. Yeah, and that splattered red. What a what a great fucking verb is you just splattered, brilliant. I love it, Doc. It's, it's great. Um, it's one of those words that, used in the context of gore, it seems to be such an obvious thing, it, an obvious word <clears throat> to use, but almost nobody ever seems to. Um, mm. I haven't mentioned Jess Franco for at least two weeks. There's a Jess Franco <laughs> film called, uh, called, called "The Blood Spattered Bride."
Mircala Karstein. ¿Es la misma mujer del retrato? ¿Cómo murió? No murió. La encontraron cubierta de sangre, vestida de novia, junto al cadáver de su marido. Lo mató la misma noche de bodas. ¿Por qué? Porque trató de imponerle prácticas insoportables. Fíjate, solo la fecha de nacimiento. Esperaron dos años antes de darle sepultura, pero jamás consiguieron hacer resultar. Yeah, it, it's also one of those films that sort of causes one of those terms that causes people to giggle. You know, splatter films or like, yeah. oh god, um, how crass from, uh, can can this film possibly be? It's called the blood splattered bride. <laughs> sure, of course, yeah. Um, but it's also a really great word. Mm. Yeah, and it, it it doesn't get used enough, in my opinion. No, I totally agree, Doc. I, I, I tell you what, let, let, let's see this out because it, I, I don't think we can we can mine much much more from it. So that's four lines. Here we go. Dreams born of desire, shaped and forged within the fire. Twisted, warped, deranged, I see. The world's corrupt insanity. So, uh, you know, it, it's finishing off with a bit of uh, social commentary, Doc. Yeah. Um, dreams born of desire, shaped and forced within the fuck. There's a metaphor for blacksmithing here. Mm -hmm. um, Dionysus got a mention earlier on in this episode, so we obviously have to talk about Hephaestus here. So <clears throat> I would say the earlier parts of the song of Dionysian Um, they're, they're talking about fleshly thrills. Um, and in this verse, we, we, we get an invocation of, uh, of the god Hephaestus, um, the sure. blacksmith, um, mm -hmm. who, um, who forges things um, in his forge, um, which are kind of doomed to be corrupted and misused and bent out of shape. Mm -hmm. They're perfect when he makes them. Um, And uh, so in this case, I, I, I really like this use of twisted, warped and deranged. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's interesting, isn't it? Because twisted and warped, that can only be physical things. The deranged is obviously like figurative or, you know, something abstract, like, you know, like mentality. But those, those first two words can also equate to being deranged. It's pretty smart, Doc. Um, yeah, and uh, obviously deranged can obviously refer to being taken off the range, so being taken off the hot part of a blacksmith's forge. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Is, yeah. is, that, word, is, that, is that the like, etymology of that word? Um, it, it's one of them. Yeah, um, interesting, Doc, yeah. I mean, the, um, the, the, the hot part of, um, the, hot part of like, the coal fire in an old-fashioned blacksmith's forge um, is, uh, is called a range or a hearth. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know if this is quite correct, but I think it's a great use of the word. When you pull something out of the forge, um, and if you've left it in there too long, it, it, it's, it's gotten bent out of shape. And when you pull it out, it's been deranged. Sure. How about that, Doc? A bit of etymology. Yeah. Susie Dent would be proud of you, Doc. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought they were, they were the last four lines, but actually there's four more. Here we go. Burning cat, it's getting the other Love the bone, we'll drop the liar 
Dreams possess nightmarish figures. Burning can't escape the embers. Lost are those who trust the liar. Satan's son, I'm born of fire. He waited, didn't he? Right to the end for that brilliant, that brilliant rhyme. The liar, I'm born of fire. The liar, presumably being Jesus, right? Uh, yeah, one would assume. I'm guessing. Um, dreams possessed nightmarish figures. I mean, that's... I might have been at the Lucia Fulci a bit too much this week, but, mm. I, I mean, that's that's a Lucia Fulci image, isn't it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no um, doubt. I think this whole fucking song is... Could, could be ripped right from, 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 from a Fulci movie. Yeah, um, I mean... It, it, do we? Uh, th- there aren't actually any any of the seven gates of hell mentioned, but there's, there's, there's a possible reference to the keys to the, the, the mm-hmm. infamous key to the gates of hell. Oh, yeah, absolutely correct. The infamous keys, yeah. The, the, yes. The, the the seven keys, presumably kept by yes. one of the members of Halloween, apparently. <laughs> um, no, um, I think they're they're actually kept by Gilbert, the sound engineer at the Ice House. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Was, oh, yeah. Uh, was that private joke? Sword? That's a private was, joke. Was, yeah. was that the sudden sort of Armageddon? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and his mom threw them in the canal. <laughs> <laughs> if I remember correctly, he, he he possessed six of them, and his mom was so worried about him coming into possession of the seventh and bringing about the end of the world that she threw them in the canal. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody could find them there. <laughs> awesome. Since there hasn't been any fucking water in that canal since the 1950s. Come <laughs> <laughs> on, Doc. Eddie, last thoughts on these uh, on these words. Well, it's it's more and more Kerry getting better and better, isn't it? <clears throat> um, there aren't any concepts in here that you didn't find in Kerry songs on albums one and two. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just better. Yeah, um, there's, only a, there's, there's only a tiny bit of unintentional mildness in here. Yeah, it, 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 I think I, I think his progression has been quite remarkable. Actually, he had the you know self self confessed writer's block on South of Heaven, um, and he's gone away and done something. And whatever he did, good for him. That's all I can say, Doc. Yeah. Wouldn't it be fascinating to get to know what it was that he did? Um, <clears throat> what I'm reminded of, second jazz reference for this evening, um, was when John Coltrane first appeared, and he was recognised as a talented saxophone player with some promise, but nothing really remarkable. Um, and apparently he got showed up um, in public a few times and didn't quite retire, but like went back to his parents' farm in the Midwest um, and did nothing but practice for about a year. Yeah. Um, and then basically came back and went, I'm ready for years old now. Sure. And then he was. And it, it, this, this is kind of what's happened to K- he, he has his, He's gone away and practiced and read stuff and just, it might not even be, a, it might not mean or, or need to be anything more than that. He's gone away and practiced and got better recognised that maybe some of his earlier stuff, you know, by this point, you know, he's a man probably in his, what, early 30s? Maybe late 20s, early 30s. And just kind of recognising that maybe some of that stuff that he wrote back in the day was not quite good enough 
And and so what? In, in, you know, kind of instead of kind of burying his head, burying his head in the sand, he's gone right. What can I do about this to develop myself? And yeah. whatever he did, Doc, it fucking worked. Um. Uh, uh, so I mean, how does this sound to be? Um, when people decide to learn a musical instrument, they think of themselves as musicians first. Um, you know, it's in bands. It's normally the singer who thinks of themselves as the poet or the lyricist, isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, I think until we started this project, I think I assumed that Tom Araya wrote all of the words that he sang. Fair enough. I think it's very likely that Kerry and, to a lesser extent, Jeff were far more hell bent on mastering their instruments than mastering their lyrical skills for those first four albums. And uh, now, once, yeah, what once they are clearly master of their instrument, they can turn to the the other stuff. Yeah, uh, so yeah. let's pay attention to that now. Yeah, I think you're right, Doc. Doc, we're running, we we are running a little bit long, so should we move on to the final part of the show? Let's do that. Welcome to part four of Slate and It Bear Cast. Here we're just going to give our final thoughts and summations and discuss anything we might have forgotten along the way. Writing credits, guys. Uh, music, Hanneman and King. Lyrics, King, all by himself. Um, according to Setlist, this was played 427 times, putting it in 23rd position. First play, um, I have a guess, Doc. Um, would that have been the chance in Poughkeepsie, New York? It's the chance in Poughkeepsie, New York. Uh, last play, have a guess. Um, would that have been at the um, at Corbin Hell Festival or whatever it was called? No, it's not that one. Oh, um, oh, that place in 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 uh, in Inglewood. It's Inglewood. Doc. It's the Forum Inglewood, the last yeah. ever Slayer show. Yeah, yeah. So you know, this track was played the first time possible. And played the last time possible, basically. They fucking love this track. Um, according to, <laughs> according, as, as we all do. According to Loudwire, um, they put this in 24th position overall. And here's what they say. If there's one song title to sum up Slayer, it's Born of Fire. The song packs the last adrenaline rush on Seasons in the Abyss and hammers down the brilliance of the album. A remarkable sense of dynamics and pace from track to track. Inheritor of Hell, Araya describes the initiation rite or baptism as he prepares to assume Satan's throne. I don't really think they're saying much there, are they, really? That, that's just a load of old fucking waffle, to be honest. But there we go. That, that's what they think of it, Doc. Uh, come on, my good friend. Final thoughts. Um, well, I inferred as much earlier on, and I always feel bad saying this. Um, I... I always feel like I should come up with a new and original tr way to praise a track that I really like. But once again, I can't say anything beyond it's a really good Slayer song. Mm -hmm. Can you? I think it's a great Slayer song. Um, I think it is. I think it is like a, a last throw of the dice, knowing that they're going into um, the final track, which is very, very different. Um, so the positioning on the album is is is, is clearly intentional, you know. We 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 we're just going to shred and rip your faces off, um, but you know before this total change of um, total change of mood. I think it's uh, something you mentioned about Spirit in Black. Um, 
actually. And I think it's true of this track too. It's just great fun, isn't it? It's just great fun. Yeah. Don't take this seriously. We're just fucking around. We're just you know, we're playing the guitars and drums as fast as we possibly can, and we're just singing about nonsense, basically, just having fun, Doc. Definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's. I alluded a little while ago to the fact that it's it had been a while since Slayer had actually been a smiley silly fan, mm-hmm. um, and in addition to a bunch of weighty gravitational tracks on this album. Um, they've, they've, they've served us up lots of, like, just, just good devilly fun, and I completely mm. approve. Mm. Mm. Are, are you ready to pronounce, do you think? I am, yeah. Yeah, go on, Doc. I'm, I'm, I'm curious about this. I'm going the extra mile on it, because it's an example of a type of Slayer song that I don't normally like so much, but I really like this one, so it's going to be 9 out of 10. Doc, as ever, I always write my number before you pronounce, and it also gets nine mouldering most schools out of ten. So as you know, this album, we, we have been very, very closely tied. It is going to be fascinating, in quotes, fascinating to see <laughs> <laughs> the statistical breakdown at the end. Um, Okay, guys, that about does it for this episode. Don't forget, you can contact us on Twitter at Vercast or on email at slightenitvercast at gmail.com. Join us next time, guys, for track 10, the final track. Can you believe we made it to the end of this album already? It's crazy. I know. Um, and it's it'll be a nice end to a year's work, won't it? It will, actually. It's like, almost like a, like a capstone on the year. Um, yeah. Yeah, so next week will be track 10, which is, of course, the eponymous track, Seasons in the Abyss. It's very self. Are you going to be there, Doc? Of course I am. And um, I'm going to be bringing textbooks with me. So at the land, you'll probably want to bring your narcotic of choice. Wow, Doc. Are you threatening that maybe we'll have to do like like a double episode? I don't think a double episode, no. Uh, But I... I have got a lot to unload about this track. Blimey. Um, Believe me, listener, when the doc unloads, it is capacious in the extreme. (laughs) (laughs) See you next time, guys. Take care.